Okay. We have been on the road of God's blessing, right? The road of God's blessing. We have been studying the Beatitudes. We are coming to the end of this section of the Sermon on the Mount. And today we are on persecution. Who in this church wants to be persecuted? <laughs> Yay! That was quite a response. You got it right there, man. You got it. <laughs> One person wants to be persecuted. Well, it says that we will be blessed. We will be blessed. Everything in the Beatitudes has told us that we will be blessed. We are blessed when we are persecuted for standing for Christ. We are blessed when we are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Not because we're doing something wrong, but for righteousness sake, for Christ our King, for Christ our Lord, there is a blessing. Matthew 5, 10 through 12. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You see, when we are persecuted for Christ's sake, when we are persecuted for righteousness' sake, we are laying up treasures in heaven. You're also doing a mighty work here on the earth. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. This is Christ speaking. Because of me. Rejoice and be glad. For your reward in heaven is great. Your reward in heaven is great. We receive rewards in heaven for our stand for the righteousness of Christ here on earth. For our stand for righteousness. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So you are blessed when people persecute you for the sake of Christ, when they see Christ in you and they don't like it. <laughs> and they want to take you out or, or change your mind or pull you down because of it. So if people are persecuting you for Christ, for the sake of righteousness, be glad. Because you are showing forth something. So be glad. You see, first of all, two things. First of all, if we become persecuted for Christ, we have to be living a pretty blessed life. That, that's a reward in and of itself. <coughs> to live for Christ is gain. So just the fact that we're standing for righteousness, that we're living in righteousness in our Lord Jesus Christ is a blessing. That's a blessing in and of itself. We should never even need anything else. But God gives us more. Because he's always pouring that blessing on us. Okay? And he says here, it says, we will be rewarded. Your reward in heaven is great. So yes, living for Christ here on earth, that's its own reward. But he has a whole lot more planned. Thank you, Jesus. He promises us more. So we're going to go back to the Beatitudes. See, we've been studying these. And we've looked into basically so far seven. We've looked at seven keys. We're looking at seven keys to walk the blessed life of God here. Here, not in the by and by. So the first three we studied, they were poor in spirit, Blessed are those who mourn, and blessed are, are those who are meek, right? So those are sort of the foundation for the ones that come, for the other ones. Because when basically we learn about poorness in spirit, you know, when we recognize our dependence on God, when we also understand mourning and meekness, when we understand that basically we're nothing without him, that our entire worth comes from Christ in us, the hope of glory. When we learn that, when we learn that we are willing to make his will, his one will, paramount in our lives, to re-enthrone Christ in our lives, 
You see, that causes us to purify our hearts. And it causes us to seek these other things that come next. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, right? See, because we draw closer and closer to God and it becomes our, his heart becomes our heart. Okay? So we hunger and thirst for righteousness. For his, his righteousness, for others to see his righteousness in our lives. It, we tap into the ability by the power of the Holy Spirit to purify our hearts. When we purify our hearts, what does that do? I'm recapping a little bit. When we purify, very quickly. When we purify our hearts, what does that do? That brings us internal peace, doesn't it? Because we allow him to get rid of all the dross, you know, all the darkness. We submit to him and, and he, he helps us. And so we, that in, internal, that inward peace comes. Then we become peacemakers to help others come to peace to him and for peace amongst ourselves in unity in Christ. So then when we do all that, now this is not, you have to do all this, right? God works with us as we move along, right? But when we do that, as we walk through this journey, as we go through this process, he allows us then to become victorious over the persecution that comes. This is a so worth it journey. This is a so worth it journey. I want to be victorious when per persecution comes. If people are, um, I'm going to go to Matthew actually 5, 10 through 12. We're going to read that again. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me, because of Christ. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So Christians who demonstrate the righteousness of God in their lives will be persecuted. Jesus was persecuted, and he said, beyond anything that we will ever imagine, beyond anything that we will ever go through on this earth, he did it for you. He allowed himself to be persecuted. And he says, if I was persecuted, you're going to be persecuted. Well, thank you, Jesus, that you count me worthy to be like you. <laughs> John 15, 20. Re this is Jesus. Remember the word that I spoke to you. No servant, that would be us, is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you as well. So do not be shocked when you go through trials for standing for Christ. Count yourself worthy. We should rejoice in the persecution because it means that Christ is showing up in us. The glory of God is showing up. The glory of God, heaven on earth. This verse actually goes on to say, if they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. If we stand for the righteousness of Christ, what's going to happen? Our witness is going to be strong. They won't be able to resist it when we stand for righteousness. Isn't that exciting? They persecuted him, they'll persecute us, but when they got the light and they obeyed him, it will be the same with us. See, they'll get the light. John 15, 18, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. Second Timothy 3, 12, in fact, Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 9. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God. No matter what you go through, you have an all-surpassing power from God. And not from us. It's not of us. Listen, we are hard-pressed on every side. Are you going to go through hard times? 
Are you going to feel like you are just totally being pressed in on every side? Yeah, you're gonna, that's going to happen. But not crushed. You're not going to be crushed. God won't tolerate it. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Your God will never abandon you. He is for you. He is not against you. We will never see the righteous forsaken. When you take a stand of righteousness for God, it may be uncomfortable in the natural. It may be uncomfortable. You may not be liked. But you see, God is right there with us, hand in hand, walking us through it. Hallelujah. He will never abandon us. Struck down, but not destroyed. He knows exactly what it's like. Jesus knows exactly what it's like, and even worse. He knows even worse than what you're going through. He knows exactly what it's like. He knows exactly what you're going through. He made it through to victory. We make it through to victory when we hang on to him. Right? So, if we have not run into persecution, wakey, wakey. If we have not run into persecution, what do you think that means? That probably means, well, nobody here, nobody at RCC. But could it possibly mean that we're not taking a strong enough stand? Could it possibly mean that? Yeah, it could possibly mean that. Because if people don't see Christ, what is there, what is, what is there that they disagree with? Right? So do we stand for Christ? Does it show? Does it show that I stand for Christ? In my personal life. Not just in the pulpit. You know, in my personal life. Do we stand for righteousness? Does the world know that I'm a Christian? Am I hiding my faith when it gets tough and I don't really feel comfortable talking to someone or I don't know them? Does, is my faith hiding under a bushel? Or am I letting it shine? You see, John 13, 35, it says they will know us by our love for one another. So that's a way when it's really tough to walk in love towards someone. Anyway, if we're not persecuted, maybe it's because our stand is not bright enough. And that's a sad thought. At that point, we sort of need to beef up the game. <laughs> Matthew 5, 13. You are the salt of the earth. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has become tasteless, don't you think it's really interesting that he talks about salt and light right at, in conjunction with persecution? Because he's telling us exactly what we need to do. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. I, I don't want that to be me. I don't want that to be me at all. I do not want to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. I do not want to be fodder for Satan. See, we're meant to be spicy. We're meant to be spicy. We are meant to spice up this earth. We are meant to spice up this world. We are meant to be the flavor of Christ to people. You see, I don't, I don't want this to happen, that I lose my salt and I'm not giving anyone the flavor of Christ. See, I want them to have the flavor of Christ in their lives like I do. That's exciting. We are the salt of the earth. We need to be the substance. Substance. Whoa, I didn't even think of that word. That's a great word. That is a dynamite word. You have got to have substance. You need to be, I need to be, the substance that brings the glory of God to people, to the world, to the, un, to the yet-to-believe world. I want to be that substance that brings that glory of God. If we do not proclaim Christ, we have lost our mission, we have lost our purpose, we just become fodder for Satan, 
It says if we lose our saltiness, it's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Satan will make sure of it. You lose your saltiness, you lose your stand for Christ, he'll make sure that he can trample you under his foot. That's his aim. That's his goal. So hang on to your spiciness. Matthew 5, 14 through 16, he tells us to shine his light before men. Salt and light, salt and light, salt and light. Shine his light through you, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Shining out. You are the light of the world. That's world, that's people who are yet to believe. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket. Well, that would be foolish. And I will not be called a fool. Nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand. Hello, world. Hello, hello. I'm here. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. Here's my light. I'm going to let it shine in love. I'm not going to hit you over the head. In love. And it gives light to all who are in the house. All who are in the house. The light of Christ. The best thing the world is ever going to see. Who's in the house today? You go somewhere, you just be looking. You just say, who's in the house today that needs to see the light of Christ? Hallelujah. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. See our good works. Our good works don't earn us salvation. They're an extension of our faith. They're an extension of Christ in us. That's why we do good works. Not even out of obligation. It's because of who is in us. And then they extend our faith to others. They will glorify your Father who is in heaven because of the light that you're shining, because of what people see in you, because of Christ the King. So Christ tells us that if we're walking forth in his light, in his light, it will not be hidden. It can't be hidden. It dispels the darkness. His light dispels the darkness. You know, and it's kind of, kind of brings me, you know, we really don't understand persecution in the United States. We really don't. Anything that we see as persecution in the United States pales. It pales in comparison to what our brothers and sisters are going through in other countries. We live a blessed life just because we're here. There is a reason it's blessed. There is a reason our country's blessed. Because our founding fathers established it under God. Under God. Under God under God submitted submitted our founding fathers and mothers they came here to get away from persecution but to establish a new place where they could worship Christ in freedom and in truth good goal wonderful goal but, you know, and that's why we've been honored. That's why, that's why this country is blessed. Those who honor God, he honors. But there's a key. We've got to honor God. We have to re-enthrone Christ in our hearts. Our land has gotten so far away, so far away from honoring him. We, we live a blessed life like no other country on this earth. But, you know, as our citizens have demanded that God be eliminated from so many parts of our culture, our schools. I feel sorry. Well, sorry is a bad word. I have compassion for children who have to go into the school system right now, the public school system, <coughs> with all the antagonism 
against Christ. Anyway, as we've eliminated God from our schools, from our government, from our government buildings, from our, from our, you know, even now many of the monuments, they're crying out to take down monuments of Christ. Not that I accept idolatry. We don't, we don't idolize those statues. It's, it's the principle behind it. But anyway, his precepts, his precepts have been eliminated from our laws in many respects. This is not a good road. A culture devoid of God is a morally degraded culture. It is a morally degraded culture. And a culture devoid of God is a chaotic culture. It is a death culture. But you see, as we return, as we re-enthrone God on our hearts, it has to come here first, and then it becomes an extension. As that occurs, you see his glory can be seen. He has not given up on the United States. He has not given up on the United States. But saints, I know this is why we're going through this. It is the time for the church to rise up. Oh, well, that's a bad statement. It's been always a time. It was always a time. Unfortunately, the church has not taken its job seriously. And y'all have a job. And it is to hold back the tide of darkness so that the harvest can come in. And you know, you hear all this stuff about the billion-soul harvest, the billion-soul harvest. I'm not going to limit God. We ought not to be putting any numbers on anything. God is God. <laughs> a mighty, mighty harvest. And you're a part of it. So anyway, it is time, long overdue, for a cry to rise up in this land and in our hearts, and in our lives, and in our families. That's your first church, saints, your family. And in our communities to return God to the throne. But anyway, as I was studying, I thought, you know, about this other country thing, how we really don't understand persecution, and we really need to understand how blessed we are. And when you read this, it says, blessed are those who are persecuted. And you're kind of like, well, I live in a country where really don't suffer too much persecution. So like, how do we get to be persecuted? Because I want to be blessed. <laughs> well, don't you think that way? I think that way. I don't want to miss out on any blessing God has for me. Well, we can still stand up in our individual lives. But anyway, just, just to put it into reality, in other countries, you know, people are murdered. They are tortured put to death because they're Christians, because they stand for Christ. And I thought it would behoove us. So I looked up a couple little stats. I'm not much of a stat person. But here, this was the Center um, for the Study of Global Christianity of Gordon Theological Seminary. It said 100,000 Christians are martyred for their faith, for their faith, every year. Now, when I heard that, when I heard that number, 100,000, I thought, oh, that's not very much. Of course, each life is important. But really, on the overall, I thought, I really thought that would be a lot higher. Well, then I thought about, okay, well, let's break that down. So that comes to 11 Christians being martyred for their faith, for their stand for Christ, for their walk of righteousness every hour. That's 11 an hour. That comes to 5.5 every minute. Think about that. 5.5 every minute. So then I went to the voice of the martyrs, martyrs because you can't just go to one place, right? They could be wrong. So then I read about them, and it says every six minutes, a Christian is martyred for their faith. So the two, they, they agree. You know? Now think about that. I didn't look like how many of those people are in the United States. Probably hardly any. But 
Anyway, we need to put it in perspective, and we need to understand this is a fight of faith. These either are the end times. It's going to get worse, and we need to be willing to stand. Look at, look at the New Testament. Stephen was stoned. John the Baptist was beheaded. The disciples, many of the disciples, they were martyred. John, they tried to put him in a, they tried to kill him. They put him in a vat of boiling water, but because he understood the love of God so much, it didn't work. Right? Paul was probably tortured and persecuted in every way imaginable. Christ was crucified. Is it any wonder that you might face a little bit of persecution for your faith? Probably not too unusual. So there's that. There's that. There's that physical, actual, physical violence. Persecution, physical persecution. But then there's emotional trauma. There's emotional persecution, mental persecution, where people will try to come against you. You know, it says in, in Matthew 5.11, blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you. Falsely say not because you're doing something wrong. Don't get it in your head. We don't, we don't get it in our heads that we're martyrs because we did something wrong and we suffered an attack. God redeems, so I'm not saying that, okay? Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Insults, false slandering, liables, revilings, being excluded from groups. Being abandoned by the world. Being abandoned by friendships. You know, I always, Ken and I always told our kids when they were growing up, if you're standing for righteousness, this is important for every person to understand and to really think about. If you are standing for the righteousness of Christ about some, you know, moral or godly principle in your life, and you are reviled, or you are insulted, or you are excluded, or whatever. That is not a personal attack. You see, there are always spirits behind everything. That is not that person attacking you personally. That is that person coming up against the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? That's that person not wanting to hear from the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit in you that that person is attacking. Well, that's not going to work. And if you think of it that way, then you think, well, when I'm going through this personally, if you've checked your heart, when you've checked your heart and you are truly standing for righteousness, not just to get your way or, you know, something like that, that is them coming against the Holy Spirit in you. Do not take it personally. It has nothing to do with you as a person. And if you look at it that way and you don't get into a personal struggle with that person at that point in time, that Holy Spirit, that's the convicting of the Holy Spirit in their life. And see, then God is, remains free to work because you haven't gotten personally offended. You haven't, you understand what I'm saying? So I don't know, for whatever that's worth. Anyway, Luke 6, 22. Blessed are you when people hate you. When they exclude you. When they insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man, because of Christ. So when our, your friends reject you because, you're, because you love Christ, you take a stand and then you just rejoice. We take a stand and then we rejoice that the king of glory has come in. And we just keep shining the, salt, the light. We just keep shining the light of the love of Christ. You know, being a Christian, young ones especially, being a Christian is, the, is a totally blessed life. We get to stand for Christ. He calls us his ambassadors. What an honor. What an honor. We get to stand on the promises of God. We get to know merciful love. We get to know unconditional 
mercy and grace and love of God. There could be no better blessed life than walking with Christ and knowing that God has us in the palm of his hand. But being a Christian is not a, it's not a cakewalk. It is not a cakewalk. Is this making sense to y'all today? We shouldn't expect it to be a cakewalk. It requires discipline. It requires perseverance in the face of darkness. It requires perseverance. It requires contending for our faith. We have to contend for our faith. It requires an inner strength that comes by the power of the Holy Spirit. In our weakness, his strength shows up. It, it requires us to be resolute. As for me and my house, I will serve the Lord, no matter what. It requires sacrificing self. We've talked about all these issues over the last weeks. You see, the, the world, that's those yet to believe, the world, it hates the light. It really does. It doesn't maybe know it hates the light, but it hates the light because of the spirit that is operating in the world. The spirit currently, the spirit of the Antichrist. That's the spirit operating in the world. And it hates the light. That's why God said we need to be the light and not hide it under a bushel. You know, um, why did Cain kill Abel? This goes way back. Well, look at Satan in heaven who, who wanted to dethrone God. But why did Cain kill Abel? Because he was jealous. Because, see, he was doing evilness. He, he wasn't honoring God with his offering. You see, that was considered wicked, a certain wickedness. And rather than face it, rather than deal with the darkness in his own life, he thought it was better to take out the light, the one who was walking with Christ. Well, not Christ in the Old Testament, but you know what I'm saying. The one who was honoring God. Because Abel's offering was pleasing unto the Lord. So is it any wonder that when you do something that's pleasing unto the Lord that you're going to be hated? So what did Cain do? He murdered. He murdered his brother. Because rather than deal with the darknesses in his own life, he just wanted to snuff out the light. Well, he didn't. He thought he did, but he didn't. And it came back to haunt him. So the world's not going to understand you. The world's just going to want you to fall into the darkness. That's what the world wants. Wants you to, you know, misery loves company. That old adage, misery loves company. So... When we stand for righteousness, if, we, if we're standing for godly principles in our life, if we're standing for purity, if we're standing for truth, if we're shunning idolatry, right? All these things. If we're standing um, for, you know, not cheating, not lying, what, whatever, whatever it is, if we're standing for those things, the, the world is going to try to take you down. The world is going to try to knock you down. The world is going to try to knock you off that stand. Because they want you to fall into the same trap of darkness into which they've fallen. They want you to join with them instead of being the testimony. Don't lose our, we don't want to lose our testimony Misery loves company and the world wants to drag you into the darkness so that it can be comfortable right where it is. You see, Jesus did not come to make any of us comfortable. He came to help us move from glory to glory to glory to glory. So when we're persecuted, it is refining us and it is bringing other people into the kingdom. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Jesus says when you stand for Christ in those situations that you will be rewarded. You will be rewarded eternally. Yes, do you have a reward here? Yes. But listen to these verses. 
2 Corinthians 4, 17 through 18. For our light, and they are light, very light, and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. You are in a spiritual battle. Everything happens in the spirit before it happens in the carnal. And the, way the, the, the forces of hell are waging against the forces of Christ. And it is time that we stand up. The tribulation is near. We are still in the, we are still in the dispensation of grace. But it is important that we stand and that the world see that stand so that they too can escape the tribulation and the dispensation of the wrath of God. We are holding back, saints. You are holding. You are the ones that are holding back the tide of darkness. And you know what? I really think we all need to take this really seriously because there is going to be a time when God says, okay, it's over. That makes me get really serious in my spirit about what I'm doing for God. About whether my life is a witness. About whether it's a testimony. About whether the words that I speak are from him. You know, Christ said, I only speak what the Father speaks. I only do what the Father tells me to do. It's time to be really, really serious about that. First Peter 4, 12 through 16. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. The fiery trial, by the way, is not temptation into, you know, the trial that we go through. He never tempts us with evil. God never tempts us with evil. Right? Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ. When we participate in the sufferings of Christ, it is a time for rejoicing. He's counting you worthy. He depends on you so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. He is working his glory. And if we don't get off our stand through the persecution, his glory is revealed to those around us. This is so important. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. You are blessed. See, we haven't been trained to look at it as a blessing. What are, we, what are we trained in this common age of the church to look at as a blessing? I get everything I want. Well, he does give you all things richly to enjoy. He does supply all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. He hears before we ask. He takes us into you know, our land of abundance. This is all scripture. So yes, that's true, but there's a whole other side of the story. And I'm sorry. It's been way too many years that the definition of blessing in the church is what I'm going to get. This is a wake-up call. Does he bless? Does he heal? Is it always his will to heal? Yes, yes, yes. Does he want you to prosper? Yes, yes, yes. Does he cause men to pour into your bosom, shaking down, running together, and, and pouring over when you give unto him? Yes, 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 yes. So we're not taking any of that away. But it is time to wake up to the other side. This life is not going to get any easier for anybody. It is not time to drift away. It is not time to coast. 
It is time to dig in your heels and say, when persecution comes, I'm standing. I'm standing on the word of God. But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. His glory will be revealed through you because you have chosen to stand for him. He will make sure of it. He will not leave you or forsake you. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Hallelujah. What more could you want? The spirit of glory rests on those who are insulted, for, who suffer as Christ for the sake of Christ. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or a thief, you know, for doing something wrong, or any other kind of criminal, or even as a meddler. Woo! Take note of that word. We don't even think about meddling. <laughs> like in others' affairs, you know, like gossip and all that other sort of stuff. I mean, he's pretty serious. I mean, he, he counts a meddler with a murderer. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. Praise you, Father, that you have counted me worthy to bear your name. Help me do it. Help me do it with everything I have within me by the power of the Holy Spirit because you're working in me. Help me be quick to hear, quick to obey. Help me be quick to walk in the love of the Lord Jesus Christ because I bear your name. I bear the name of Christ. Let it be you only that is seen through me. 2 Thessalonians 1, 4 through 10. Therefore, among God's churches, you know that the churches, the churches were persecuted. Go ahead, go read about Thessalonica and Philippi and all that stuff. They were persecuted. Don't, don't count it a shock. Therefore, among God's churches, we boast about your perseverance and faith. This was to the church of Thessalonica. In all the persecutions and trials you are enduring, all this is evidence that God's judgment is right, and as a result, you will be counted worthy. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We're going to be counted worthy because we stand. You will be counted worthy of the kingdom of God. Think of that phrase. Think of that phrase. Come on, think of that phrase. Worthy of the kingdom of God. Nothing missing there. Worthy of the kingdom of God. For which you are suffering. God is just. Listen to these two things. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you. Now, do you wish trouble on other people? No. Nope. You pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. And then you let God handle it. He says he's going to handle it. So get your little behind out of the way. Get your little me-me out of the way. Get your little button out of the way. Get your pride out of the way. Get self out of the way. Because he knows how to handle it when you're out of the way. <laughs> he says it right there. He'll pay back trouble to those who trouble you. Thank you. Number two. And he will give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. 
See, he, he knows how to take care justly, rightly. He knows how to take care of the one troubling you. And he knows how to rescue you and bring you relief and bring you peace when you stay in him, when you stay in Christ, when you continue to stand in righteousness for Christ. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. On the day he comes to be glorified in his holy people. Think of that image. Christ glorified in you in his holy people. Wow. Wow. Thank you, Lord. And to be marveled at among all those who have believed. This includes you. This includes you. Because you believed our testimony to you. Psalm 37, 4 through 6. Take delight in the Lord. Take a stand for the Lord. Delight yourself in him, right? Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. This is one of my favorite scriptures. If you can have favorite scriptures, this is one of mine. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn your vindication like the noonday sun he knows how to vindicate you beloved he makes it his purpose Matthew 6 19 through 21 do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal now that doesn't mean you're not supposed to have things here on earth let's not go overboard Yes, he means for you to lead a blessed life. But he's saying treasures on earth, earthly. Where your heart is, right? That's where your treasure is. We don't treasure, we appreciate his blessing here on earth. But it's not our treasure. Christ is our treasure. Christ is our treasure. See, the earthly treasures, he wants you to be blessed walking here on earth. But that's not your storehouse. He's your storehouse. These are temporary rewards or, you know. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy, indestructible, cannot be touched, and where thieves do not break in and steal. Nobody can steal the reward of your righteousness in Christ. And by this, it says you're going to be rewarded in heaven for your stand for righteousness for Christ here on earth. You're laying up crowns in heaven. For where your treasure is, there is your heart also. So you were awfully silent today. (laughs) I guess persecution isn't exactly an easy subject. But I really hope that by looking at it, how Christ looks at it, that we have a new perspective of the blessing that it really is and the protection that we really do have from our Lord Jesus Christ when we are standing for him. We are standing within his wall of protection and blessing when we stand for his righteousness. So anyway, we're going to take communion today. We take communion. When we take communion... We remember, we remember what Christ accomplished for us. We are taking his body, we are taking his blood, and remembering and standing in all that he has accomplished. And we have open communion here. All believers, feel free. So, let me actually read. For I tell you, I will not eat it again. He's talking about the Passover. Until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this. 
and divide it among you, for I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread and he gave thanks. Give thanks. Thank you, Lord, for all you have accomplished. All you did for me. I receive it, Lord. I receive it. And I honor you and I bless you and I thank you for what you've done for me. And he gave it to them saying, this is my, my body given for you. For this, do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup saying, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. The blood of Jesus poured out to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, to receive us, to be poured out on the mercy seat of heaven on our behalf which is poured out for you. So we're going to... Take the body of Christ. I thank you, Lord, that by your stripes I am healed and made whole. I thank you for what you've done for me. I believe it, and I receive you in Jesus' mighty name. Then he took the cup and he said, this is the blood, and it's been poured out for you. I thank you for the cleansing blood that washes me white as snow, that there is no mistake or no sin. I come to you, Lord. I come to you right now with anything in my life, and I lay it at the cross anything that displeases you. And I thank you, Lord, that there is no longer a chasm between you and I. You finished it. You tore the veil. And I can come boldly to the throne of grace. So I thank you for the blood that washes me white as snow. In Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. So that's what I believe the Lord had for us today. I love everybody. I'll miss you. 